From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Join us today as we chat with the inspiring Sylvia Burgos Toffness on ways we as women committed to sustainable and organic agriculture can amplify our voices. It's all about lifting the veil, as Sylvia calls it, and owning and using the title of farmer when introducing ourselves. Hear about how important it is to understand and share our unique stories. Sylvia grew up in a food-loving Puerto Rican community in the South Bronx, and today is the farmer at Bull Brook Keep. She's a leader in the organic food movement, including producing and co-hosting Deep Roots Radio and serving on the board of Moses. Sylvia and her husband David raise 100% grass-fed beef in Amory, Wisconsin, and Sylvia has worn many hats before then, including being a television reporter and working in public relations, all skills that partner well with her farm business today. We are back with Sylvia Burgos Toughness and talking about her talking about her story. <laughs> because one thing I so admire about what you do, Sylvia, is the both the transparency in your farming story, but your not even just willingness, but passion about sharing it mm-hmm. in different communication outlets. I know you've got the blog and the radio show and other things that build on the career you had before farming, but what what drives that for you? Why do you feel it's important that we, particularly we as women farmers, share what we're doing? I think it's critical if the organic foods movement is to continue to grow. We live in a society that um, is based on large industry. I, I happen to believe that we live in a corporate fascism. Right. Yeah. Who makes the policy? Well, who's putting money into that policymaker's pocket? And and some people might consider that harsh, but it seems to be um, the way that our policies and our work is influenced in the United States. And I will be the first to applaud any kind of policymaker that is working to make things different. We also live in a society that's heavily influenced by advertising. And having been in communications for over 40 years, first as a journalist and then as a person in public relations and marketing, uh, I find the discipline absolutely fascinating. What does it take to convince somebody to buy something? What does it take to convince somebody that an idea is either right or wrong? How much don't we know about the very world we live in, about the food that we buy? Those questions are really, really important to me because for most of my adult life, I've understood how this works. And it is amazing to me how much or how little most of society knows about how they're influenced by advertising, subtle and overt. 
So when I started to become very interested in food and in agriculture, and we're talking about the 80s, one of the things that we know is that at that time, organic food had a very bad rap. It was considered shrivelly things grown by hippies. And in the early 90s, I happened to be part of a nonprofit that worked very hard to help the people within the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul understand much better what organic foods is and just not only just how it's grown, but how beautiful and delicious it is. And so at that time, I worked with a small nonprofit that was established just for that purpose, marketing purpose, the Midwest Organic Alliance. It worked to get organic foods into conventional stores. And we had to develop our own marketing materials. We had to work with with chefs in order to do the demos. We had to create the press releases. I was dropping off organic foods at radio stations in the morning so that people would understand this is really great stuff. And we were also working with processors who maybe had an interest but really didn't know about this stuff and they didn't know where could they find the raw product. And so we ended up working with with organic growers in five states in order to create that chain that gets food from the field to the processor and onto the retail shelf. It was an amazing experience to What's be involved amazing is in that. That was just 25 years ago. I mean, we that was we take no so much ago. for granted <laughs> in everything that has grown, but because of what you and that community of people did then that have kept things going. But I just wanted to point out, we're not talking... This is not ancient history. <laughs> You're not some dear 125-year-old lady talking. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, this was recently. Just this amazing. This was recently. And it's amazing how, and I'm just like so uh, congratulatory of everyone who's been an, an organic grower over the years, because that market has grown by double digits almost every single year since the Organic Foods Act was passed. That's due not only to their great efforts in the fields but and in the processing plants, but also to the demand. People are wanting to buy better food. They want to buy better food. Now, why did all of this happen? Well, one of the things that happened, and this is way back when, was the ALAR scare. That was ALAR on apples. This is a long time ago now, but it was one of those stories that when it broke was a watershed. And people said, what are they spraying on my food? What's in my food? I don't want that in my food. And in in the ensuing years, the, the um, investigative reporters around the United States have done an amazingly wonderful job of helping all of America know, hey, this is what's going on in the food system. And I and I'm, I must say that I think the growth of organic foods in the United States um, can say thank you to those various reporters who just said, hey, I'm going to reveal what's going on because it has helped us to be a much more robust 
market and has helped us increase the demand for for these foods. And and certainly, you know, some people want to buy organic foods because they want it, they think it's clean. Other people buy it because they want to make sure that they get high nutrition. Uh, more and more people are finding that yes, there's great taste. And the growth of that sector is growing now also because there's an increase in convenience foods. And you know, you can open up a can, you can open up a box, you can open up a bag that's been grown organically. And that has helped. And, and while there might be some people who say, hey, we should only have traditional raw foods, only cooked in traditional ways, I think we have to understand that there's, there's a demand for different kinds sure. of preparations. I am involved in communications. I'm passionate about the communications because there's a, still a great deal of our population that is under all kinds of misapprehensions, not misapprehension, misunderstanding or misinformed or uninformed about what the conventional food system is all about. They don't realize that certain chemicals are used. They don't realize that certain practices are in the used in the field. They don't understand that sometimes farm laborers are working for not just low wages, but almost slavery conditions. They don't understand how animals are treated in in feedlots or uh, in the slaughterhouse. Um, they don't understand how nutrition is affected by how things are grown. And so that's why I've got a weekly radio show that's called Deep Roots Radio. And the whole idea is to help con uh, listeners connect the dots between what they eat and how it's grown. And so I'm not an expert at that. But what I do, like you, Lisa, is I interview the experts all over the country. And so we're in our eighth year. Is it really already? Yeah. And that's on, you You produce that via your community radio. There's a radio station. Yeah. That uh, is the, we do it, we do it from the studios of WPCA radio in Amory, Wisconsin. Then I create the podcast that goes on my website or on iTunes. So I interview farmers and ranchers. You, Lisa, yeah, to I love being on your show about, about the the the. You cover bill. a wide range of topics. Yes, because the the our food system is affected by so many things. It's policy. What gets passed as policy in Washington D.C. or on the county level affects what shows up on your plate. A lot of people don't think that way. They don't under, they don't realize that, and so our show tries to gently introduce these topics and pretty much the the attitude is hey did you know this you know we don't try to demonize anybody this is not a call-in show where we're, we're kind of yelling questions at anyone it really is did you know so the effort really on my part in finding people to talk to and looking at a topic is to is to lift a veil this is what's actually going on and then to always end the show with the notion that there are solutions. Positive. Yes. So people aren't left with, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, but rather, oh my gosh, I think I know where I go with this. That's so important because it's so easy to get overwhelmed by Extremely. everything and confused, understandably. Sure. So I love how you always have resources and ideas and there's no one right path, but do something. Do something. There's got to be some place where we can go for an answer. So that to me is really important. Not only lifting the veil, but saying, hey, here's a path. Um, the other thing too is 
I mean, I grew up in the Bronx. I'm a city kid, you know, for most of my life. And I want to reach out to other city people and say, hey, you know, come along with me on my journey <laughs> into farming. Let me tell you what kind of mistakes I've made, but also what kind of unexpected rewards. I mean, the rewards, the gifts just fall out of the trees. They really do. So I invite you on my journey virtually, you know, through the blog and through the radio, but also actually. So we invite people on our farm constantly and people sometimes just show up. So, I mean, <laughs> this past summer, my husband Dave and I were doing some outside work and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of motorcyclists just come up the driveway and they said, hey, we saw your cows and we just wanted to know. And I said, come on in. We end up having usually when people show up, we end up having coffee and something to eat. And Dave and I are gifted with their story and their journey. You know, why do you care about food? Uh, and we tell them, hey, let's walk the pasture so you can see what's going on. And one of the things that I have just found so remarkable is that whether or not it was an intentional trip, you know, they made an appointment and they're coming or they're a customer and they're coming to pick up some beef, uh, or it was serendipitous. They just saw the cows and they decided to, to turn in on a, into our driveway is that we'll walk the farm and sometimes that walk will take, you know, half an hour or an hour, but 15 to 20 minutes into that walk, they usually stop talking. And we both usually stop talking and they just stand there and they just have a smile on their face because they've somehow connected with just being there. And their visit has become different. And it, it is just such a rewarding moment. And um, it, it's just lovely to see because we're both enjoying this place so very, very much. And so that, that communication, which is both visceral, you know, being on the land if they can do it, but also uh, through communication is really critical. It, it's, you got to lift the veil. You got to understand that just because you go to the store and you see a box or a bag that's got a cow on it doesn't mean that it's good for you and that it was good, raised in a way that was good for the land or good for the water or good for the farmer. And so it really does present a challenge, though, to the listener. How do I keep on investigating this? It's, it's, I, I mean, I speak to many of my own customers, um, and they say, boy, this is work. Trying to get good food really takes an effort. And I'm glad they found us as far as being a source for 100% grass-fed beef. But I try to help them also with the other information they might need, some of the resources, in order to find the food that they really, really want. So what advice would you give somebody, a, a woman farmer even starting out, on the communication side? Sure. In that, uh, it sounds like, I mean, hearing your story, that bottom line, keep telling your story. Do you know what I mean? The more you talk to people, the more you do. But as far as the, and I know you, you have a diverse skill set. So you like the interviewing on the radio, but you also like the writing. But what suggestion, like a first step that somebody could take? Yeah, I think one is uh, to be aware of and accept the fact that you do have a unique story. Yeah. 
Some people will say, oh, no, no, no. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm just boring. I mean, I've never done anything different. I just got started. I just got I... started. And it's like, okay, so tell me for five minutes, how did you get started? And it's a fascinating story because everyone's story is absolutely unique. Absolutely unique. And it is always interesting. It is always interesting to know how you started out. What were your first steps? What was that first mistake? What was that first success? Um, what do you hope to do? How do you like what you're doing? Did you change anything ever? Um, all of those little things, just write a bunch of bullets down, right? And think, okay, this is how I'm going to tell somebody about me. Because your customer is going to ask you, why do you do this? How are you different? How can I be sure that your food is any good? And you had better have your answer. <laughs> because they can just get up and walk out and go somewhere else. And so it's not that you have to captivate them. It's not that you have to capture them. But you, in all honesty, have a great story. And, and you can deliver it with all humility. But it is a good story. And jot it down. Jot it down. Um, true, not everybody's going to have a blog. That's fine. But if you have even a postcard-sized piece of information that people can say, oh, this is you. This is your, your phone number. And this is where your farm is. And this is what you do. Even that will be helpful. Because people want to connect with their farmer. When I send my emails to my customers, thanking them for an order, thanking them for coming, I always sign it, Sylvia, your farmer. Because it's true. They like having a farmer. I get introduced as, oh, this is my farmer. And I love being that to them. I love having that relationship. And know that people want the relationship with you. Terrific. Yeah, great. They really do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.